Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Erica. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is your weekly podcast book club. And we are on the second part of Rachel Harrison's Cackle. Sorry. Inhaled the coffee, actually. Just like- as soon as Katie stops <laughs> vaporizing coffee, she'll give us a quick summary of what happened in this section. All right. So we start this section. Annie wakes up at Sophie's house feeling very hungover. Um, we start to see a little bit more of her and Sophie's relationship develop. It seems as though Sophie can almost see Annie's every thought. It feels almost invasive, like she's inside of her head. Um, we go on to Annie teaching class and Sophie casually asking her if she wants her to curse the awful children in her class. She casually says yes. And Sophie curses the kid who then throws up a spider in the middle of class. Um, the next week, because Annie is unfazed by this, um, Sophie confesses that she's different to Annie, um, and doesn't really specify exactly why, but we can guess. Um, despite this, again, Annie sleeps over at Sophie's again, only to be attacked by a ghost while swimming in her pool, um, to which Sophie admits that she does have ghosts. Her house is haunted. She becomes a little bit more controlling, especially about Annie's communication with her ex. And we find out at the end that her ex, Sam, has a new girlfriend. And then Annie is maybe tripping, dot, dot, dot. We will discuss. (laughs) I'm wondering what Sophie is getting out of this. Because it seems pretty obvious that she is pursuing aggressively this friendship with Annie and trying to separate Annie from other people in her life, definitely from her ex. And it's not clear to me what Sophie's getting out of it just yet. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like there's this kind of dichotomy where on one side, I'm like, okay, if you take all the creepy stuff out of it, you know, the calling her pet and the petting her hair part of it. I'm like, maybe Sophie is just not really aware of how to be a good friend as a, as a human. And so she's trying to just be like caring for Annie and being like a good friend. Who's like, this guy clearly didn't love you. You need to let it go. Like, let's not text him, which we've all done that on a less invasive level with our friends. So I feel like there's that. And Annie's kind of letting a lot of things go because she's like, I'm finally making a friend with a, a normal person, another adult. That's not, you know, my ex's friend. So she's kind of letting it go. Um, But I do feel like on the other hand, Sophie is definitely buttering her up and I don't know for what. It like freaks me out. She like goes into her house and she – I feel like everything she does could be construed as potentially innocent if it was like alone. Like she goes in, Annie's clearly had a rough week. Sophie immediately starts cleaning up and doing all of the dishes. Like I don't have any friends who would walk in and do my dishes and maybe that's on me. So, okay. But like I feel like she's trying to be her friend but it's just too much. It's too fast and it's like – almost controlling yeah I don't think that this is normal friendship vibes I think this is she has an agenda I think Sophie has an agenda but I'm I'm curious to know what it is and where it's gonna go you can contrast Sophie's type of friendship with the teacher who's trying to become friends with Annie who's like gently asking like oh you know I have a friend who's single if you're single and I you know we could link up and we could do like a double date and Annie's like oh how dare you ask me a question like that at work it's like borderline invasive and you're like no that's like a normal she's trying to transition your work friendship into like something bigger and like schedule some time with the two of you and get to know you more 
and she's just in this Sophie world where everything Sophie does seems normal, but it's definitely like the mistletoe in hindsight is so weird. She broke into her house and put this mistletoe in her like entryway, which I don't know what that like what that symbolizes, but I'm sure we're going to find out. I do feel like it's so funny. Annie's like asking me about if I'm single or what I'm doing is invasive, but like Sophie watching me swim in her house when I don't know her. No, that's not. There's no lines. That's perfectly fine. And then I'll just sleep here. And this person that I know is like doesn't have all good intentions. I think that which brings me to like the townspeople and the people who live there, because I feel like it's like I said, I think you could convince yourself if you're Annie that part of what Sophie's doing is just like quirkiness or it's just her being, you know, hundreds of years old or something. But then I think when you watch how the townspeople react to her, you're like something sinister is going on. Right. The townspeople are either resentful of Sophie or very scared of her or some mix of the two. Yeah. And she always says she creepily like she, Annie will be like, do you own this restaurant or this coffee house? She's like, no, I just own the land. Um, and she does admit that everyone in the town, quote unquote, knows who she is. And there have like been some rumors, but I don't understand how these people, I mean, there had to have been something that happened to where they're keeping the secret for her because what do they get out of it? I wonder if she killed the man who used to live in the house that she took over or, or, I mean, my original idea was that each of the townspeople had made some deal with her to get some type of success or to get some type of business off the ground and they gave her something in exchange for that and this is sort of the path that Annie is walking down and that's why no one is happy to see Annie with Sophie but they're also not intervening because they've done the same thing yeah it feels very manipulative the way that she interacts with them and also it's it's so funny it makes me immediately not like Sophie more when these people are obviously revere her right they're like they're either afraid of her or they're you know whatever they've made some deal with her I'm like can you just pay for the coffee like are you purposely trying not to blend in and purposely trying to remind them daily of your power because I feel like it is just interesting like she's constantly just like oh I'll take everything for free I don't know if that makes sense but but maybe she doesn't use money we've never seen her with money right she also doesn't use a phone and she just takes Annie's phone she's like oh well you don't need it like (laughs) what Maybe this existential theme there, too, about our our reliance on technology and connecting people who aren't there. But ooh, ooh. Annie and Sophie have a back and forth a couple of times about whether you need someone to be happy, whether you can be happy single. I do think that's an interesting conversation that I have with my friends. I know people who are in their 30s who are single who are very happy and to Annie, that seems completely impossible. And that's part of why she's so devastated to not be with Sam. Sam, who obviously had already moved on, you know, is confirmed in this section. He has a new girlfriend, clearly was already maybe kindling something with her before he broke up with Annie and now is doing revisionist history. Like, well, the last two years weren't we weren't really together anyway. I literally hate Annie when is people completely do that. confused by. Yes. But sometimes you do need that friend who's like, no, you know, you don't need somebody at all. Like you don't need to go from relationship to relationship. You can be perfectly happy on your own and be fulfilled as your own person. So that's my one uh, part of Sophie that I like. I like that too. But Sophie's like, I think the one part I don't like about that conversation though is Sophie's like, 
I think that romantic partners, she's like, I think men are dumb, number one. And I think romantic partners true. in general are true. <clears throat> I think <laughs> men are dumb, We're number kidding. one. And I think that romantic partners are like a waste of time. And I feel like that puts Annie on the defensive. Like, I think that you can be totally happy and on your own and single and find fulfillment in so many other ways in your life and friends and community, et cetera. But I also think like you can get another type of fulfillment from a romantic partner or whatever. And Annie misses that. And Sophie's like, what do you just want? Like some domesticated life you're settling for? Like you, you are destined for so much more than that. And I also feel like that's a little bit like she can still want that, but she clearly needs to know how to be on her own and be like happy yeah. on her own. But she can still want that in addition to who she is when she figures that out. Cause I feel like her identity really is in her partner. Annie's also clearly replacing her attachment to Sam and her reliance on Sam with her relationship with Sophie, yes. which is in Sophie's interest. So she's fine with it, but that's also not healthy to go from like, she, she can't be alone essentially no. as soon as she's alone in this section, she calls Sam. Yeah. She's like, I walked away from Sophie and five seconds later I was lonely. I'm like, okay, girl, I think you need to like be able to just do one thing by yourself 30 minutes a day. I mean, what? Also, Annie, come on. Questions. Ask questions. Like yeah. I can't all of her conversations where she's just like, okay, with, oh, Sophie, you're just different. Okay. I don't want to ask the ghosts. Okay. I just like won't press further. And then with Sam, just like, okay, no. you have a new girlfriend. She knows about me. I guess that's fine. So frustrating. She is an extremely frustrating main character. I feel like she's just very meek. She won't ask any questions. But I'm like, what you don't know is so much worse for you than if you were to just ask and find out what you're dealing with. It is so funny. She's just like, she's content to just let these people tell her what they want to tell her and her be like, okay, that's enough for me. Ugh, Annie. Okay, so is Sophie a, a witch or a spider? I think she's a witch and the spiders are like under her control and like give her information. I don't, I, that visual, I was like reading this before bed and I was like, okay, well, every time I read this book before bed, I'm like going to wake up dreaming there are spiders crawling all over me. Oh, I also had a spider dream. I had a dream there was a spider underneath my bed. <laughs> Sophie's here. Yeah, the spider thing is a little bit creepy and they're all in, you know, she's she's like controlling or commanding all of them. I feel like <laughs> that scene, I reread it last night. I will like never forget the visual of that scene. And that kid is in class and just like throws up a spider and then it like comes to life and crawls away and the kids are shook. They are like, what the fuck? <laughs> I also just, I feel for Annie all of her knowledge about how the universe works is now like put on its head and she's just like okay I guess I'll just like keep going to work again yeah ask questions what do you mean there's now like witches and curses and spells and magic like are there other witches where are there witches how do you become a witch Can what does I it mean to be a witch? witch right she heals her foot with magic there are ghosts in the swimming pool like the ghosts are not happy you're there. And you're like, that's fine. I'll still stay. Um, Yeah, I feel like she just like doesn't question anything around her, which makes her a great person to fall into a horror story. Funny side note, I lost my Kindle. That part's not funny. But then I had to go rebuy this book and I looked for it forever in Bookloft. And I was like, I went to the desk and I was like, okay, either I'm dumb or you don't have this, but like I can't find Cackle. And the guy like looks it up. He's like, it's in the horror section. I was like, oh, really? 
I thought it was fiction. He was like, no, mm -mm, it's in the horror section. I was like, okay, well, I don't go into that room. So I guess I'll, uh, what room is that? I'll venture into the scary room. So now I, I don't know what's going to happen. The very end of this section where Sophie gives Annie mushroom tea, which I guess we're assuming is a hallucinogenic, <laughs> that yes. part was pretty creepy because you're like, is she turning into like a bug? What is happening with her teeth and her like rib bones? And she's describing just like losing all sense of her physical body. When Annie That part is? was pretty scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Yeah. As far as I'm aware, that's not what happens when you drink regular mushroom tea. But, you know, I don't know what she gave her, but definitely it was creepy. I felt like that whole scene was so creepy that that's – I, like, need to reread that section. That's when I was like, is Sophie a spider? Is she – we know that she's some kind of, like, beauty curse situation on where she looks lovely all the time. But then I feel like she was kind of showing her true self to Annie and making some, like, kind of off-the-wall comments. But because Annie will not engage with others, we don't really know because she didn't ask me questions. but. I feel like Sophie is kind of creepy in that section. And then she gives Annie that tea. And yes, I'm like, is she turning into a spider? She, yeah, it was weird. And I still feel like we don't know enough about Sophie because all she keeps saying is like, when I show people my truth, then they don't want to be my friend. I'm different. Again, are you a witch or a spider? Like, what's happening? Also, back in my days, the royals just killed each other. You're like, what do you mean back in your days? Elaborate, right. Sophie. Oh, what else did she say? Oh my gosh, she said something and she's like, I haven't, oh, she's like, I'm not going to cry. I haven't cried in at least a hundred years. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so you're an immortal spider. Perfect. <laughs> That's terrifying. Well, I guess all we can do is keep reading and see what Sophie wants out of this relationship. And maybe Annie will finally ask some questions in the next section. I want to get your hopes up about that. <laughs> Next week, we're reading pages 153 to 232, and I'm excited to see what happens. ordered you something from Etsy and then I got an Etsy package in the mail which I knew to expect because you were like I ordered you something from Etsy and I opened it and I was like okay either this is the, either we bought each other the same thing or I messed up the writing so I like have to open the whole thing put it all together it's a book embosser right how you say that and yeah, I, so. I like stamp a couple of books and they say the library of Katie Cheney and again I'm back to either I messed this up or Erica got me the same thing but my Etsy package also sent me a notification that it was delivered, but I only had one. So I'm like, where is this other one? So then I text people who live in my old house that we sold. And I was like, did you get an Etsy package? They're like, yes, we did. I'll put it on the porch today. I'm like, okay, great. Like we were out of town. So I drive over there and pick up the package, bring it home, put it together to make sure. Because <laughs> I'm like, it says Erica. But I'm like, I need to just test it before I send it there. It has no writing on it. So then I have Jason look at it and he like tries to open it, puts it back together. It has no, it says nothing on it. 
So now I have two of these. Everything's unpackaged on the counter. I have mine. Yours has no writing. I messaged the seller. They're like, we need pictures. I sent them pictures. The guy's like, I need proof. Can you stamp a book page and send me a picture? I'm like, sure. So I think you might get it like in the new year. And I was like, can you send it to another address if you like when you're going to refund me this and get me another one? So um, I just thought it was so funny. So it's just still sitting here and I have not had time, but it will um, be to you in the new year. But I love that we got each other the exact same I'm gift. I'm dying. That is so funny. Also, both from Etsy, too. Yes. They're not, like, exactly the same. Like, the design is a little bit different, but they are the same. And I was, like, so funny so because funny. last year you had such a good TikTok book gift that you got me, my the book journal. And I was like, okay, I need to think of something really creative that's, like, <laughs> bookish, but not, like, I need to, like, think through it. And then I did, and you have the same thing, which gives me validation that what I thought of was cool, but also <laughs> so funny. So you'll get it eventually. Hopefully you're excited. Perfect. I'm very excited. I loved, obviously love the idea of it. I know. I think it's um, so It just cute. like stamps the, it makes like a little impression kind of thing on the front page of a book to say whose book it is, which I, we love because we are constantly giving our books out. But Erica will write her name in them, and then she will look through your books and find her books. Exactly. I'm like, this is mine. Thanks. I'm taking it back. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> what have you been reading? And you met your book goal. I met my book goal. Oh, yay. Uh, <laughs> I'm on 53, I think, now. So all the rest of it is gravy. But I was trying to get to 52 books. Okay, but we have to talk about Song of Achilles. Oh, that's right. I'm annoyed already. <laughs> I want to talk about it with you. <laughs> Also, I think just before we get started, it is really hard for, and I have experienced this with you and with Ryan, really hard for me to like defend a book when I read it like months ago because I'm like, I don't remember what I liked about it. So I need to start taking better notes of the books that I read that I don't read with you. Right. Again, book amnesia. It's real. It is. Okay. Well, what did you think of Song of Achilles? I just... I know this is an unpopular opinion. So you are with the majority. Like most people love this book, but I just found Patroclus to be, I don't even know if that's how you say it, to be so whiny and useless. The majority of the book. I just was like, oh my God, can you form your own identity or sense of self or like do anything? Also, you're now okay, but he's in young love and with. Is this the prince, right? <clears throat> yeah, the exiled prince. Okay, but he's, like, young and exiled and sheltered because he's a prince. So, like, some of that is, like, realistically probably how he is struggling to do that, right? Also, his mom's his a little only personality trait is that he's in love with Achilles. No, his mom is the one who's, like, gone. She's, like, mentally vacate, vacated. It's Achilles' mom who's the Sorry. one who's, like, overbearing. Yes, you're right. Yeah. But then okay. also the ending, which I don't want to spoil if you haven't read it, but the ending is like also horrible and like a series of bad decisions on both of their parts. Also, the thing that I thought was really frustrating is this book does not pass the Bechdel test. There's only like two women, the mom and then the um, one of the like captured women who they take under their wings, essentially, um, and they never speak there's so the Bechdel test is essentially like if a book or a movie ever has two women having a conversation and having a conversation that's not about a man this book doesn't even have a series where a section where two women speak to each other 
I guess they have the women who like kind of form this little like yeah. teaching community, but they're just so not a part of it. And Which, so they're not the story. It was just frustrating. Yeah, I feel like that is frustrating, but also that is not the story because the story is about these two men who are at war, and at the time, women would have been like in their ranks, right? But there were like women living in the there were women though. living there, yes, yeah. but they were not like crucial to the story, which I guess is the point, right? <clears throat> but I think that it's what's interesting about the review of this book is like when I when I read books that I think are, and I want to know how you compare this to group because, like, when I read books, I'm not thinking of if I like the character or not. I liked this book. And I'm going to like off of my memory here because I don't remember why, but I did love it. I feel like there was like there's a love story, there's war, there's murder, there's drama, there's the family part of it. Like there was a lot going on. It was like captivating and I liked reading it. But I don't I don't know that I like loved either of the characters, but I did love their love story. And I feel like, yes, it was they did make bad decisions and it was messy. But I think also that's hard. Like some that is some people's story. But I'm interested because, like, I feel like a lot of why you didn't like this book is because you didn't like the characters, which is fair. But then how did you like Group? <laughs> she is so unlikable. And I liked Group as well. But, like, you know well, what I mean? Yeah. That's what's funny because the other book that I read, My Year of Rest and Relaxation, the main character is horrific and very unlikable. But I think it's not – I wasn't – I don't mind unlikable narrators. Like, sometimes they're very funny. I just found that, like – Patroclus's only defining trait is that he's in love with Achilles and it's just like the entire book he's just like I'm so obsessed with the way he looks and his hair and he's so funny and he's so charming and you're just like oh well, get over it dude no I loved it I loved oh. their love story and also I feel like that is his defining characteristic kind of but also like he isn't going to be because of who he is and what he's been through he's not going to be this like strong warrior with like these really strong and out there personality traits like that's not that wouldn't line up with what he's been through and why he's been through it like I feel like some people just are not that's his defining character trait but like are more followers than leaders I don't know if that makes sense I just don't like people like this there's the phrase it's like the dnb which is like the do nothing bitches which is <laughs> This is this a Ronda Rousey thing. But this is always my thing in a relationship. It's like you have to be your own person. You have to like come up, which he did later in the story. Yes, he but how to old was he? Like his he, own interests. Right. How old was he when he became okay. his own interests? Here's my issue. You go to this, to Chiron. You're with this master of many things who is there to like teach you how to fight. You are in love with this man who is for sure like designed to go to war, to be in battle. And he just like neither of them are like, oh, we don't need to train. Let's just hang out in the woods. And they just like, no, oh, it's fine. And then finally, Patroclus is like in a war zone and he's like, oh, wait, I have to do something. <laughs> oh, OK, I just don't crazy. find this. I never like knew. I never knew I had to like would have to put on armor. I'm like, you couldn't have taken just like a couple of self-defense classes. No, he's just like wandering around the battlefield and Achilles has to like fight everybody around him to make sure he doesn't get killed. I'm like, can you? I do feel like this is that is some people, though. Like that is (laughs) that is some people and everybody's I don't know. It's so interesting. Also, Achilles is a prideful jerk who doesn't deserve this type of undesired. This person that you don't like who doesn't deserve this person that I hate. He doesn't deserve this devotion. He was like yeah. a dick to the yeah. end. He was like a prideful jerk. 
But he loves was him. Was so obsessed with himself. Okay, I feel no, like I, I can't defend this book um, because I don't remember anything else about it. But I just want to say for everybody else who loves it, I also loved it and I don't remember why. I like – my problem is I read Circa first. That's the problem. Well, now I need to read Circa because I didn't think it was going to be better than Song of Achilles. It just deals with a lot more deeper themes. And I think it's one of those, like, it's – I understand we're dealing with, like, Greek myths and stories that already exist. But mm-hmm. with Circa, she was able to build much more of, like, a – breathe a lot more life into this character. I also feel like Achilles – I know the story of Achilles, so it wasn't – I kind of like, you know, what's going to happen, mm, which I did not. But that's it's interesting. Anyways, um, OK, I have to tell you about the other book I read, though. <laughs> OK, I was just want to say one thing about that is that they're written by the same author, which is very interesting. I know. Well, okay, that's, that's what that's I'm it. saying. That's yeah. all I wanted to say. I th- she, but she wrote Xerxes second, I think. Or okay, I'm going to die on the hill that I love Song of Achilles and I'm ready to move on now. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the other book that I read um, which was a library book, was My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moshveg. And this is like a book I've seen a bunch on TikTok. I thought this was like, this skyrocketed to one of my favorite books of the year. It was so fucking funny. So the story is about this woman who is clearly has some like depression issues. And she decides that she just needs to take a year off from life and just sleep for as much of the year as she possibly can, like as many hours a day as she can, helped by pharmaceuticals and like the most inept psychiatrist that has ever existed. And it is like so riotously funny. And you are like, oh my God, what the fuck is going to happen? As she just like progressed, she's like spiraling worse and worse. And it's just like the perfect... This is like the perfect Erica book because the premise is absolutely insane. It's like I've never read anything like this ever. I enjoy an unreliable or an unlikable narrator. I like them when they actually have something to say or like it's an exaggerated character for like a reason. And I think she does a really good job of kind of tying it together to mean something more like this character is obviously so privileged in so many ways and yet can't see past her pain or past her own like depression to appreciate the life that she has and she's basically like she's very in the art world in this world where like meaning is so important and also meaning is so like laughed at and like mocked you know there's all this like irreverent art around her and she is reacting to that sense of nothing matters, yet I feel so much and I can't feel it. And it's it's a lot. And her only respite is to essentially like sleep, which I also love sleeping. So I was like, this is really, <laughs> I love it. I think I would hate this book, but I love it for you. And it makes me happy that you loved it. No, it was, it was so funny. I think you actually like might enjoy it. It reminds me of like Chuck Palahniuk. It's like dark, but. Like the, and it's dark and very very peculiar. Like it's a very weird person and a very weird situation that you're going into. But it's like quite quite funny. So I loved okay. it. High recommend if you okay. like darker. Okay, High, kind I mean of books. that's right. It wasn't your top books. Okay, fair. I might pick it up. I'll add it to my list. Okay, and now I am reading House in the Cerulean Sea, and I it's okay so far. It's definitely more <sighs> like fantasy. I'm not super into it like is. Harry Potter ish yes. books, but. I know either. it's going somewhere. And he, we haven't mm-hmm. even met the children yet where I'm at in the book. So I 
really loved this book. So I'm, I hope you like it. Um, I also, though, when I first started reading it, was like, well, I don't think I'm going to like this. because. <laughs> but I was on a plane. So I like read the first I don't, over half in one sitting. So I feel like that helped once you get like into it a little bit more. I read a couple of the Harry Potter books, but never got into it. I never got into like any of that, like Harry Potter, Twilight, like none of it. Like I never read any of it. I tried to rewatch the Harry Potter movies recently and I actually, they're pretty, like I enjoyed the first one, but yeah, I was never super into them. Um, and I liked this book, so I hope you like it. What are you reading right now? What I'm reading right now, I'm reading a memoir called Lady Glen Connor. Uh, it's Lady Glen Connor's memoir. She's a, she's a lady in waiting to princess Margaret and the Royal family. Um, who is Queen Elizabeth's sister. And so she's got to be like literally in her 80s or 90s. But she wrote a memoir this year. In 2020, mm. she wrote one, which is also wild. Um, but my friend Ryan read it and he said he loved it and it was chaotic. And like he did compare it to group two because he was like, this is some like entitled girl, like group, some entitled girl who like is kind of just a, not like a nobody, but kind of a nobody. And this one is kind of the same thing, except that she's a member of the British Aristocracy? Is that the word? Meristocracy? I don't know. Aristocracy. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. It's good so far. I love the royal family, so I'm enjoying it. Um, But yeah. Okay, we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week.